and welcome to another Friday night Sanctuary First Late Show. And we have with us the usual suspects. A welcome to Ian Jimison. Hiya. And also Laura Dagen. Hello. Oh, and we've got really, we've got exciting guests tonight, haven't we, Albert? We have indeed, yes. Uh, we've got uh, we've got with us Stuart Forsyth, and we also have with us the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, the the Right Reverend Ian Greenshield. Doctor, in fact, I can't even get this right, the Right Reverend Doctor Ian Greenshield. Wrong Reverend, not the Right Reverend. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, so thank that's you. who we've got with us tonight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think uh, we want to think in the podcast tonight. We've got we're looking forward that Ian and Stuart are going to be taking part in the in our podcast and sharing with us some of their insights into different areas. Um, Stuart is going to be talking about Digi Parish and digital church, and uh, we're going to pull in Ian to get them to give us some commentary on where he sees the future of the church going in the light of our discussions. So we're, we're hoping that uh, you'll feel free to just correct us when we need to be corrected or get us to think in a different way. Oh, now, do we have to be on our best behaviour tonight, Albert, seeing as we've got the moderator with us? You know, I'm, I'm a bit worried that, you know, me and... Me and the doc could, you know, maybe go off on one, and I don't want to get fired. Ian, can you do that? Are you uh, well, able to no, do that? I, I'm not sure I'm capable of that. See, see, for me, the moderator's like the Pope, right? Anyway, um, so I need to be on my very, very best behaviour tonight. <laughs> and and as you can see, I've got my best behaviour hat on. Nothing too wild. Nice conservative brown. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, see, for our listeners, it would actually probably be really, especially for those who are maybe tuning in from different denominations. So, Ian, would you be able to tell us a wee bit what it's like to, to be moderator? And, like, what, what does it entail? Do you have a lot of power? <laughs> Absolutely no power whatsoever, uh, Laura. I'll just uh, do as I'm told. Um so far, it's been um, interesting, really interesting, going round. Uh, uh, well, I went I went back to my former parishes. That was really good, and I've enjoyed doing that. So I was uh, in Skye, I was in Easter House, I was in uh, Lark Hall as well, and I was over in Lewis too. Um, so I've enjoyed that. Was that was very emotional in some bits, uh, but I enjoyed that. Um, and and I've just been. Uh, going around different parts of, of Scotland. Uh, I was in Whithorn last Sunday and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, just, it's so, so good to meet people on the ground and just chat with what their church is doing and what they're trying to, to achieve um, and, and how they're trying to move things forward. But I am also very much aware that if I'm asked to go somewhere, um, it, it's probably you've been asked to go somewhere where something's happening. Uh, and uh, you're you're not going to be asked to go somewhere if, if, if nothing's happening at all. So so maybe that's kind of skews the reality of what you see to a certain extent. Um, but it is good to see that good things are happening in the church. So uh, Linda and I have both thoroughly enjoyed the time that we've had so far. We're only four months, in, but it's been really really interesting. I, I think the thing I see, you know, from the outside, um, and. 
you know, I know I've been a wee bit flipping about the Pope, but I think there are things that come along with being moderator that perhaps is a external manifestation of maybe maybe some gravitas to the role. I mean, I think there's a a kind of special cross the moderator wears ceremonially. Is that not right? Um, uh-huh. And there are sort of a certain kind. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Certain kind of robes that that you might wear at certain occasions. So. I mean, in some ways, Ian, you're a, you're a bit of a figurehead for Church of Scotland, I suppose. Um, I mean, first of all, is that right? And secondly, what can what, what do you think you can use that for? Well, I mean, Albert's done this uh, himself, so I mean, I, I think maybe he can he can answer out the, the benefit of a full year in office, whereas I've only done four months so far. Um, yeah, I think that in every situation I've gone to that the church has been much fuller than it would normally be. Uh, so people are coming out because it's the moderator, not because it's Ian Greenshields, it's the, it's the post, it's uh, who, what, what you represent rather than who you are. Um, that's encouraging. Um, I think it's encouraging to encourage uh, people and it's important to, to be directive in your encouragement and just, you know, to worship and and where that's going or where it's not going, as the case might be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's got that kind of gravitas t- to a certain extent. Um, but, I mean, Albert was a good example of a moderator who who was down to earth, and I think it's important that you are that uh, and that you're approachable and that, yeah, you do wear robes. And the robes I wear were made in the island of Lewis and they're from Harris Tweed, uh, and that's really uh, important to me and special to me because that's a place that's got a special part of own kind of affections and own life. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the moderator's role is still important because you get to go into the Scottish Parliament, you get to talk to the Scottish leaders. Um, I, I mean, even, um, even just what happens, something that's historic, uh, and... And I happen to think, you know, that even with all of that ceremonial that was going on there, that the Archbishop actually said something that mattered uh, and was very directive. And uh, speaking to four billion people, I mean, it was it was important that the right things were said, um, not just about the Queen, but about our faith and about where that might lead other people to. So the office of it is important, I think. Um, and I think it should be it should be retained. Um, otherwise, uh, if you start to to move away from it, you'll lose those doors that always open. In that sense, uh, so I think the, the the opening of doors is important. So it's an important and and you know, as a, as a role that perhaps you know has has some utility to its you know to it still. You know, in a mod, in, in a mod, Scotland sees itself as a modern secular democracy, um, and it, I, I think it, it's quite lovely to see the fact that faith groups like our own are represented. Would, would that be something that occurs to you? I think one of the things that's that's actually growingly important was what happened at the General Assembly here and the handshake and the declaration between the Roman Catholic Church and ourselves. I think that's that's fundamentally important. So it's not about who the moderator is, but it's about the leadership across the whole church in Scotland, about 
getting Christians to jail. It sees itself as a secular country. I, I think that actually diminishes Scotland. It's becoming so secular. Um, and, and I think that um, the, the role and the place of, of faith um, is, is something that uh, still matters to people, even the great many that don't go to church. And yet it does. I, I mean, I agree with you entirely. I think that uh, the polemic is that it is a secular democracy, but the reality is um, that there is a scene of faith that runs through Scottish mm-hmm. culture almost from the very beginnings um, of where we could call ourselves a culture. Um, at least that that's how I see it. I think, you know, even back to the, the days of the Celts and um, the, you know, the deep magic of Stornoway and the Lewis and the Isle of Skye and, um, you know, the kind of deep magic that existed then and that almost that connection to the creator. Um, I, 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 th- I find it fascinating. And, and I also, you know, just not as a Christian, but as, as an observer, it, it fills me full of joy that the fact that, you know, the moderator, the you know, leaders of other faiths have, have a place at the table um, of of what we've organised uh-huh. ourselves into in Scotland, I, I, I find that that's very meaningful. Um, so yeah, that, that that's certainly my thoughts. But maybe old Albert here, the one that did it for a year. <laughs> what, what I'm more interested in is <clears throat> uh, taking forward something Ian said there a minute ago about uh, how there's still quite a strong radical faith in the country. Uh, and you could see that even throughout the whole of the UK at the Queen's funeral. The yeah, yeah. people who were reaching out for something more than just a historic connection, but there was something else going on in all of this. The question I want to ask is, why do you think then that people, the generations, we've lost the generations who are coming to church? But yet, I mean, and many ministers will tell you their own family, their own children are still believers. They believe it. They'll believe in the resurrection. They'll believe in in the importance of living a godly life. But they don't turn up at church on Sunday. Why is that? The question is, why does it have to be Sunday, Albert? Um, and and have we boxed ourselves into a corner with this? You know, the somewhere between ten o'clock and and twelve o'clock on a certain day of the week. Now, I mean, that works in places like Lewis, for instance, uh, uh, because there's a very definitive sense of the Sabbath in, in Lewis, right? But but that's not true of our culture any longer. So I, I wonder whether uh, there is that. I wonder whether um, <clears throat> I wonder whether the way Albert, that we were trained as ministers is no longer no longer hits the mark sometimes. Because we were trained to 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 cultivate twenty twenty five minute sermons, you know, where everything was quite cerebral, um, and and maybe maybe our generation just don't get that, you know, they they they've moved away from that. I don't think that our spaces sometimes are entirely desirable. Mm-hmm. Do you know that? And I think it's one of the things that's that's a tragedy. Sorry. No, no. I was just, uh, I was, I was actually just thinking about, you know, what, what Stuart's um, perspective is, because, you know, because with the digital parish, if, if, if you're finding Stuart, if um, are you able, are you connecting with, with 
with these with people that are like not coming to church but are uh, but but still but have a faith and are you able to connect are you connecting with younger younger people um it'd be really great to hear your perspective yeah i guess um, we we look at it from I mean, I mean, we planted an online church for precisely that reason, you know, that um, we, we can't be boxed into this uh, old conventional method of doing church on Sunday morning at half past ten. Um, we wanted to create a, an online church where, you know, resources were available um, 24-7, that, that people who um, weren't able to get along to church on a Sunday morning, um, and, I, and I'm one of them, by the way. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a dad with two young kids, you know, and we're competing with extracurricular activities and weekend activities that the, that the kids have got on, and it's, you know, you're you're very much torn of you, you want to bring your your kids up in a a godly environment, and um, but on, on the other hand, you don't want them to be excluded from um from activities. So so we wanted to create a resource that um can can help that, you know, because. Like Ian said, our culture has changed dramatically. Um, so to have online resources like you know what Sanctuary First offer, what Digital Parish offers, what a lot of churches are now offering as well, you know we've embraced online as a means of doing social ministry, um, and that's that's a great way to look at it. That that we have a resource literally at our fingertips, you know, through our phones, through our, our iPads, our, our, our laptops, you know, that allows to connect with a larger community of believers um, that we can go on and, you know, talk to each other. We can be inspired. Um, and, and yeah, so, so for me, I'm very much on that train. You know, I'm, I'm saying, let, let's do more of that. Let's find a way to connect with people. Um, we, we, we're very much targeting people who are, you know, that we call them the un the unchurched, the dechurched, and the prechurched. Um, you know, because we we have a, a, a tremendous opportunity to be church for so many people. Um, and that doesn't have to be the traditional, you know, prayer hymn sandwich style of service that we do. It could very much simply be a minute motivation. You know, like like what you guys do at Sanctuary First. You know, it goes out as a here's here's a here's a thought for today. Um, we we just did a series recently um, uh, called uh, "A Word from Jesus." You know that that the world would would very much see as you know it it could just be a very good philosophy to live by. You know, like love your neighbor, you know, be kind. You know, and but being able to challenge people and say, well, did you know Jesus said that? Jesus said to love your neighbor, and uh, and it opens up a, a tremendous conversation with people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. You know, it's inviting people along to this big brown building, <laughs> like Ian was saying, that doesn't really always, it's not suitable for purpose. Um, and having that type of conversation is something that people would not be interested in whatsoever. But a quick social media post to say something like, love your neighbour, do you agree with that? Actually, yeah, I do agree with that. Well, did you know that Jesus said that as well? So uh -huh. it is, we, we do have a tremendous opportunity. Uh, see, when I, when I was in, when I was in uh, Israel, this is something that really struck me, and I, I know I've got—I'm not a fan of buildings, right? Anyway, you know, church buildings. I know they have their place. Not a fan, um, and so I—I I, um, what really struck me was this, you know, the where the 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 the, the hillside where Jesus was to do the, when he was given the the sermon on the mount, and I was just struck about how. Like if there's people gathering on this hillside, how others would be able to see 
and then walk up and go, oh, what's going on up there? What's going on up there? Oh, I, oh, oh, I see some folk I know. Oh, I'm going to go and head up there. Oh, it must be interesting. And all these people, just the fact that they could be seen. And then, you know, a, a bit like, you know, in the actual, you know, the the the, the site, you know, they have built a church, you know, as, <laughs> as like we always do, build a church. But for me, it was, you know, I really felt God saying it's like about, you know, to be seen, you know. So you think, well, back in Jesus's time, it was like outside, you know, on the hillside. And and I think now, actually, it is very much like, you know, uh, no barriers, you know, yeah. being online and being yeah. this, like, so that there's no, you know, there's no gatekeepers, there's no doors, there's no walls. Church without walls, Albert. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's culturally relevant. It's, I mean, I, I, that's what I get drawn back to as well, that, that Jesus was culturally relevant. He told these stories, these parables, you know, that that, that people got. You know, it was, uh, people just kind of, well, you know, they had to think about the parables clearly, but it was he was talking in a language that people got. You know, and in 2022, we have the same opportunity to be culturally relevant to be using resources again, like I'm saying, literally at your fingertips, you know, to connect with people and talk in a language that people are um, familiar with. And like I said, you know, saying stuff like, you know, Jesus said that <laughs> this isn't this, you know, a, a, an old tradition that we just abide by for the sake of it. We are talking about something that is very relevant in 2022 um, and using these resources to do it. So, uh, Stuart, tell us a wee bit about this conference that you're, because you, you're employed by uh, the Presbytery, and yeah. uh, and uh, you're, we're going into a partnership, uh, Sanctuary First and Digi Parish are promoting a conference called Create. Do you want to say yeah. a wee bit about that? Yeah, so the, the Create conference is for people um, who are in ministry, you know, in church or, you know, outreach or whatever, that that want to be using digital for ministry. Um, it's as simple as that. We are putting on a conference that's going to be very practical, um, where we, we we did it a couple of years ago, well, before the pandemic, um, and there was there was tons of really good feedback um, where, as I say, we did, we did very practical things. We're looking at how can you use digital in ministry? So stuff like live streaming we've talked about before, um, using social media, um, and resources like graphic design, video, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the theme that we're going with this year is "This is my story." Remember that old the old hymn, "This is my story, this is my song," and um, it comes directly out of Psalm thirty-five, where it says, "My tongue will proclaim your righteousness." Um, but we've kind of scored out tongue and we've written, uh, "My social media will proclaim your righteousness." <laughs> you know, because again, we have this tremendous opportunity to 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 tell the good news. Um, and churches and ministries have that tremendous opportunity as well. So we're putting on this conference. Um, it's going to be incredibly practical. Uh, people who are going to be coming along to um, run workshops, practical workshops. Albert's going to be giving a keynote, which we're looking forward to. Um, a good pal, Des Johnson, um, will be giving uh, the other keynote. Uh, and the workshops, you know, people that are involved um, from all over Scotland who are using digital uh, really effectively uh, for ministry and church um, and for outreach. So um, it's going to be on October 22nd. Um, it's down in the West Coast in sunny Irvine. Irvine, where, where are you, by the way? Irvine. Um, <laughs> that's where I Sorry, that's my Ayrshire accent. And uh, October 22nd, half nine till half four. Um, 
you can check it all out on the website. It's create2022.co.uk. You can book your tickets straight on there. Um, and uh, they're going fast, by the way. Um, so you better get in quick. There you go. That, now, listen, here's the interesting thing. Ian, Ian, you said that we've been trained, as ministers, we've been trained to do to do a job that's a bit becoming a bit obsolete. But, you know, one of the things that you've been talking about, Stuart, is um, digital media. But do we have enough creatives in the church set up at the moment to be able to create good digital material that's theologically relevant and is going to speak into people's lives? Or is that an area where we need to be connecting to find the creatives to be part of what we want to do? <clears throat> Yeah, I think we definitely have a responsibility to identify the people who are creative and can be using digital. Um, you know, you rewind 10, 20 years, 30 years maybe, you know, and we started identifying musicians. You know, back in the day, it was just the old organ. <laughs> and then we found out, you know, people can play the guitar, people can sing, you know, and we identified that there's a really creative opportunity here in worship. Um, and, and you know, we're very similar to just now in 2022 that we have... Um, Young people in particular who are really creative, I tell you what, I mean, my, my wee boy's only 10 years old and see some of the stuff that he's making on his YouTube channel and stuff, I'm thinking, man, I could be learning a few things for him, <laughs> you know, so we have a responsibility and, and an opportunity to identify people um, who can be using digital for ministry, um, and that's what this conference is all about as well, um, and people might think, well, you know, I can do one or two things. I can, you know, I know how to work Zoom. <laughs> and I suppose we all know how to work Zoom now after the pandemic. But I mean, that itself is a, is, a, is a great skill. You know, pulling people together for some online community. That's an amazing digital opportunity that we have. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, an op- there's definitely a responsibility to identify these people in our churches and release them. Release mm-hmm. them into a, a, a sense of creativity and saying, you know, as I said earlier, we have with a resource literally at your fingertips. If you get a mobile phone, well, go and create a video for us, yeah. uh, create a podcast for us. You know, we we've there's there's so much uh, potential out there. Uh-huh. I think as well, there's got. I think we're. I I think as well, would where there's a wee gap as well as I think being able to allow these creative people also to, to you know to to be encouraged. Um, theologically as well and you know to be able to express um, those that they don't go off on crazy crazy places as we know sometimes can happen and so that's where I don't think people don't need to be going and doing like you know three four year degrees I think though there has to be something put in place that when we were able to identify these people, you know, the musicians, the artists, the the, the folk that are, you know, the the graphic designers, you know, mm-hmm. anybody wanting to be involved in, um, you know, digital media, but that they're, they're given, you know, like even maybe a mentor, you know, that they that they can get, you know, that that their theology can be like grounded, um, mm-hmm. as well, um. And and then it's like because because I actually think that we do have a responsibility, you know, to to to, to empower people in that way as well. I, I wonder. Ian, Ian I wa- oh, sorry, Ian Ian Greenshields. Sorry. I was wondering, could I ask you to respond to what Laura was saying there? How do, do you think that's something that the church should be moving forward in and and promoting more of this? Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's a huge amount of what Stuart said and Laura uh, said as well, and you know. I, I think, you know, 
if you look at the current challenge that the church has got, lack of numbers, um, so-called, so-called Albert, um, I happen to think that we need no more than 200 ministers of word and sacrament, no more than that. Um, and I think we need to have really, really good outreach uh, lying side by side with really good ministry of word and sacrament, whether that's done digitally or whether that's done within the full words. I, th I don't think it's it's one or the other. I don't think it's an either or. I think the two things have to, to marry, and, and I'll, I'll come to that in just a minute. But I, I think that we've got to invest our resources, what we know will work, and not invest our resources in what has proved not to be able to work. Uh, and, and I think what we've got to do is we've got to sadly, just, and I've been around long enough to see that, and so have you. Uh, but but for example, if, if you're going to insist on having a church building, you have to have a digital ministry running with it. Because one of the things that we noticed in and through the pandemic was we were reaching three to four times the number of people through our digital ministry than we ever did coming into the building to worship on a Sunday morning. Now that was a lesson that we we learned and that we we allowed ourselves to to move forward with. I mean, and every church needs to have that. You've got the other issue of um, how how do we um, how do we go with this uh, bringing buildings together or bringing churches together. Digitally has got to be part of the answer to that. That makes sense. It's a no-brainer. It makes sense. But you need buildings too. And, and let me give you just an example of that. In our church, for example, we have at least six or seven groups that meet with people who have got severe mental health and addiction issues. And a place to go to is an important entity as far as they are concerned. Now, you can do it digitally. But actually, I think you do it more effectively, personally, and in small groups, and with that kind of support, right? And maybe you have to do it digitally as well. I'm not, I'm not ruling that out. But if you're going to have buildings, buildings have got to be spaces that reflect something positive about the people that go to them, not do a dingy uh, mm -hmm. uh, edifices that look as if they've been uncared for, right? You've got to invest. The people, if people want to have their church building. They've got to invest in it. So that what's, what it looks like on the outside and what's going on in the inside is up to scratch. And that's one of the things that we're, we're not good at with the majority of our buildings, if we're being honest. Um, so, I mean, I think I think it's a mixed economy. Um, I think we have to challenge Albert and, and Stuart, I think as far as, you know, and Laura too, as far as theological training is concerned, four years is far, far too long. Far mm -hmm. too long. I don't. I'm to be honest. I don't. I can't really think about how much I actually learned in those four years that was of significance to me when I actually go into parish ministry. I ended up taking 120 funerals a year for the next nearly 20 years. Right. So I mean, I think that there's got to be um, relevance, and relevance is, for instance, with sure that you would mentor somebody uh, uh, on the practicalities of what you do. And that that person would also be mentored at the same time theologically, you know, getting a, a theological training. But why does it have to be in a university? Why can't the church do something differently by 
by personal mentoring, where people can sit alongside and with somebody that has been in ministry for 20 years or 10 years and, and can and can pass on uh, so much more practical, practical help uh, as well. So, I mean, I think it, I think that the, the danger becomes where it becomes a standoff between two and it doesn't need to be a standoff between two because both of them are are equally valuable and and we need I, I think for instance if we're going to talk about losing ministers of modern sacrament we need to invest what we'd be paying for these things into digital ministry I think there's got to be a strong investment in in digital ministry for the future definitely because yeah. that's where some people will go to and they'll go to it regularly and it, it's it's their bread and butter as far as communication is concerned. My only concern, and my only concern is this, that sometimes if you lose that intimate, personal, one-to-one -one situation with people, um, then you're losing something that is uh, mega valuable. And, and it's just, you, you've got to just tread with caution uh, across all of this in order to make it work properly. And it can work properly if, if people have the will to do it and make it work together, oh, even well. even with some little general assembly. I, I wonder if I could jump in for a second, wearing my, a different hat, figuratively and literally. Um, <laughs> I, one of the jobs I have is I, I look after other doctors um, and make sure they're okay with a regulatory body, body and make sure that they're doing okay year upon year. Um, it's one of my other hats that I wear. Um, and I've got a team around me that, that helped me do that. Um, and a lot of our meetings take place like this. They're, they're over our video and um, we go through evidence and we talk about various metrics they have to pass and we have a, an in-depth conversation. We've, we've become very good at that over the pandemic. But one of the things that we always offer is a face-to-face sit-down. Because as you rightly point out, Ian, there are people what they need is a face-to-face sit-down. They need to have human contact in order to express how they feel and to be healed or to be, you know, to use the words uh, with my Christian hat on, to be ministered to. And mm -hmm. we call it in my trade pastoral care, which is the same as you call it in your trade, in fact. Um, the, you know, because people need that. People do need that contact. I think in a way... What's developing now is that everything new, everything old is new again. Uh, the church started with house groups. The church started with people talking to people and communicating with the lines of communication they had back in the day. And then the house groups would be the groups of people that chose to come together to celebrate something or to... Uh, to form something and to learn something together. And I think that's one of the ways the digital ministry can, you know, can really work, yeah. work well. Um, and But I think you've always got to have that physical outreach. Where I see, as you call them, Ian, ministers of word and sacrament, I mean, there is nothing more freeing for a creative. And I would humbly call myself a creative. I think that's the space in which I sit in, in my ministry. Um, there's nothing better than being told that you need to do something for a certain reason 
it's so freeing creativity than just been than just somebody saying, oh, just make a song about or come up with something. If somebody says, I want a song about this and I want it in that kind of style, your creative juices flow far better and you create far better things than ever you would. And I think perhaps ministers of word and sacrament are almost like the almost like the managers of a football team or the managers of a team, you know, where you gather people together and you teach them, this is why you're doing what you're doing. This is our mission. Mm-hmm. And once you've taken on board the mission, now go and take that and take that back to us and <laughs> let's, let's put it out. Does that resonate at all? That, that's how it feels to me. Because I get Sanctuary First will contact me usually about three days before it's meant to go out and say, could you do a song about the... Um, and 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 that's a challenge, and and it's but but I thrive on that. If it was any other way, I don't think I'd be as creative. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, actually thinking Ian about what you were saying there about you know looking at like the early church, um, you know like at Sanctuary First, um. Well, the Sanctuary First Albert has been modelled, hasn't it? The website's been modelled on um, Celtic, um, Celtic, the Celtic model, hasn't it? Yeah, but when I was putting this idea and thinking about Sanctuary First a few years back now in the very name Sanctuary, it was meant to be a place where people could come and feel secure and they... Um, Ian Bradley, in one of his books, he's got a book entitled Colonies of Heaven. And I thought, what would happen if we could have a website that was like a colony of heaven, where people could come and, and be welcomed? And and we're not about trying to score points, about saying we're right and you're wrong. But a place, like, in the, often I'm told within the Celtic monast- monastic community, there was a place where they talked about the welcome, where the visitor came and the visitor was given the best food. The abbot would come down and visit them and they welcome them and they, they, they would be made feel important. And I would love to think that when people come onto the Sanctuary First website, if they've got no faith, they don't need to, they're not being bullied to believe something, they can go on to the jam session on a Friday and just listen. And if they've got a song to contribute, they can actually contribute it. You know, they can get involved. Or if they're struggling with something, they can go on to the bit where it says, encourage me. And they can read a prayer about unemployment, or they can read a prayer about a broken relationship, or they can read about bereavement, or they can see a video about bereavement. But there's nobody drawing them, and there's nobody, um, nobody tailing them. But then if they want to go a little bit further, they can go into the profile page and fill out their name and become a contributor or just be there to to be, you might say, uh, to receive. And then they can, once they go onto the, the profile page, they're declaring themselves as someone. And, and then they can start moving around the website, talking to people and, and, and commenting on what they see. 
and getting involved in that, or they or they can go to the daily prayers, which are always there for them. Like, and in the Celtic tradition, the, there was always a cell where somebody, if they wanted to think about the monastic movement, they could go into a cell and just spend time with God on their own. And we can do that with our daily devotions and with your prayer time every morning at seven o'clock. Or if you want to go a wee bit further in the Celtic movement, it was all about about sometimes there was there was mentors <coughs> and there were small groups of people getting together to encourage and sustain. And so the, the little Bible study groups that are there every week with the, the, the teaching video and then the Bible study material can draw people in. And so there's a, an element of which we're trying to create community. And Laura, mm. I really think we're beginning to do that now in Sanctuary First. I do think we've got a community. It's exciting, isn't it? It's actually exciting. As <coughs> um, you see people interact with each other, you know, and on the different, um, like with the jam or with the prayers and, and, and build relationships with each other, um, you know, it it's really it is really exciting and it's really and you think this is church. You know, this yeah. is church. This fellowship, you know, together and, and just seeing <clears throat> where it can grow and, and what I love as well is that opportunity, you know, to use tradition. You know, it's like we're not on you know, using a digital, you know, format and platform doesn't mean that you're still about <clears throat> tradition, you know, yeah. but uh, you know Going back to, you know, like the Celtic model or, you know, it could be other things as well. You know, you've got your, um, you know, and thinking about connect groups and, you know, house groups and it's mm. this like reinvention, you know, I just yeah. love this, you know, reinvention um, and just how creative then you can be with, with tradition. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, Laura, I was really encouraged with somebody in the community this week who said to me... <clears throat> Oh, I'm not about giving to Sanctuary First. I'm about investing in Sanctuary First. Mm. He said, see this giving. It, it's just like in a church, you're giving, you're giving, giving, you, get, you don't see anything happening. But he said, mm. with an investment, you're investing because you're looking to see something develop and grow. And he said, my money is about investing in Sanctuary First. And mm. I remember, you know, and I just think, that's an interesting way about people feeling as though they own it is part of their community and they're contributing and seeing that they can be uh, contributors mm -hmm. and not and not just consumers. Uh -huh. yeah. And it takes you back, like to those in the in the very early church, who you know it was all in. You know they're they're given their you know they're given their gifts. They're giving you their money. It's all coming in together. And that was investment. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think um, just kind of going back to the point you were making earlier that, um, you know, we, 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 we've got this this phrase that we use just now. It's um, on, on online, on site, uh, but always in person. Um, and I think that's I that's like really that. what's happening here is, is, is using digital ministry as a means of being being there for people, like Ian was saying, you know, being present for people, being, uh, yeah, just just being there, you know, and and it, and it is like you're saying, Laura, it is ado adopting that early Celtic tradition, um, you know, of the early church, you know, the 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 home groups and stuff, but the 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 online part is a way to do that, 
um, and it's always in person. One, one of the things about digital is that you need to be very intentional about engaging with people. There's a there's a danger with digital that you um, that you create something that allows people to become very passive um, and and not a part of. Um, it's it's very easy to listen to a podcast like this one, <laughs> you know, and nod along and say, "Aye, that's all that's all good and well." But unless we're really intentional uh, about bringing people in. Uh, and being a part of it, like I love what you're talking about there, Albert, about how people can go onto the website and you know find something that's relevant for them. That that's great, um, and it's that extra part of actually engaging with people, live streaming. By the way, like I mean, it's 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 one thing to live stream your church service; it's another thing to be like the digital equivalent of being on the door on a Sunday morning, welcoming people in and saying, "Good to see you, Albert. Thanks for joining us this morning." You know, that's that's a real responsibility that we have in digital ministry is to really engage with people. It's it's not enough to look up at the corner and see, oh, it's great, there's fifteen people watching live right now. You know, that that's that's neither here nor there. Let's Absolutely. let's be really intentional about it. Let's be really let let's let's make a point of saying, you know, so and so is tuned in. Great to have you with us today. How are you? What's going on? Um, you know, what's God saying to you through this podcast, through this time of worship, through this jam time, through just hanging out? You know, we 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 really need to be very intentional about that. The same way as we would in person. So that's what we're saying on site, online, but always in person. You know, one of the things that we're wanting to develop more is in this area. I've encouraged me. I'm looking to try and find twelve online pastors. And people who will come on and be available online for two hours every day and and have person to person to person conversations if required. You know, and this recognizing where people are and being a, being available so that we're not just a website, yeah. you know, or a consumer thing, but we're really becoming a community. And I think that's one of the areas that we really I'm so excited that the Church of Scotland, you know, has embraced Sanctuary First. And, you know, I've been given this new post as digital advisor for the Church of Scotland. And Sanctuary First has been seen now as a, developing itself embedded within the, the, the national offices of the church. And we've even got our own podcast studio now at 121. So, you know, yes. so, but this is part of how we can encourage the church mm-hmm. to see this digital thing is not just a it's not just a gimmick but it yeah. is you're absolutely right it's it, it it turns you into realizing you need to have you can have a conversation about jesus how, here's a question how many times have you gone into coffee break in the church in the moon person church and then many people have come up to you and said how did that sermon affect you mm. We talk about everything else in the coffee. We yeah. say we're going to go in for fellowship, but and it's good. It's good to have fellowship, but we sometimes don't talk about the spiritual things over that coffee break. But we can do it in digital church. Yeah. Sometimes we don't yeah. even remember. Sometimes we don't even remember what we said last week, <laughs> or in the, or in the sermon. You know, we we we. But there's a real opportunity to to do that. One of the things that I've encouraged my local minister is is that maybe doing like a a Wednesday catch up you know a wednesday recap you know that that allows us to think back to what you know what was the crux of the the sermon there what was the main point what what am i being challenged on because it's it is it's far too easy just to then leave it as soon as you finish up on sunday and then you know not think twice about it again but to be challenged midweek and again using digital to do that you know using your social media platforms using podcasts or whatever to to 
to re-challenge people and say, you know, how 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 are you getting on with that? Um, mm-hmm. And being really intentional about creating that type of conversation because you're right, fellowship's great, you know, but we're, we're encouraged. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so should one man sharpen another. You know, so we have a real responsibility to to be lifting each other up in faith. Um, and a way yeah. to do that is, you know, can can we put something on the social media just to encourage conversation? Can we mm-hmm. can we send a WhatsApp message? Can we send a DM? Yeah. All these all these different right. methods of doing it. But sometimes yeah. what you've got to do is you've got to you've got to reinvent the space that you have, right? We've got to work with what we have sometimes. Um and for those people who still want a building, um we I think, for instance, cafe-style churches is an immensely good way of doing something uh-huh. because people are sitting around round tables. Yeah. <laughs> round tables <laughs> sitting round round tables. And I, I remember on one occasion when I started off, uh, and it was it was about prayer. That was what the, the sermon was going to be about, right? And so people had just gone and got their coffee before the service started, and they were sitting around, and we'd, we'd sung a couple of hymns. And, and I said, right, Said, I want you to start talking to each other about your experience of prayer. I never preached a sermon to this day. The sermon was preached in the conversations that took place around that yeah. table. Um, and that was and that's important. And one of the interesting things about Zoom was that I mean, we we probably had about 60 to 70 people come into Zoom for us, uh, which was probably about what we had coming to a normal church service. But actually, people converse better in Zoom. You know, mm-hmm. they were in there for the first 20 minutes before we had any sermon, and they were talking across one another, sharing with one another in a way that they weren't doing before. And once we got to the end, um, we are, we are, interestingly enough, because, because we weren't singing hymns, we were actually listening to mm-hmm. uh, the... I think one of them one Sunday was was in Egypt, the cave church in Egypt, where there was 3,000 Egyptian Christians meeting, singing in a language that we didn't understand. And at the end of that, everybody went, wow, that was amazing. And it was, did you understand what they were singing? No, but it was just absolutely amazing to watch all these (laughs) Christians in in Egypt doing that. And, And it introduced us to quality in worship that, that we actually didn't have on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And where people wanted to go back to some form of participation, they didn't want to lose that form of participation mm-hmm. either uh, because it had introduced something really, really positive into their experience. And I think the other thing was that that it, it, it introduced a variety of worship because, I mean, if you think of musical styles uh, from heavy heavy metal rock Christian music right the way through, uh, there's something for everybody digitally that you can't achieve um, in normal church service. So, I mean, it's about embracing the, the, it's about being intentional. And Stuart, you were absolutely spot on about that, you too, Albert. But, But what's interesting to me is one of the reasons that's given uh, when, I, when I've spoken to in cathedrals recently, why is it that cathedrals are better attended? They put the trend everywhere. Why is it? Because people can be anonymous in a cathedral. Now, that's where it's bad, mm. right? Being anonymous. 
Right. And the very thing that you were talking about, Albert, about participation, you were talking about the same thing. And the church building too. If you can just sit and be anonymous, then what is it you're doing? Right. And 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 how bad is that space in that sense? <laughs> if it allows that to happen, if it yeah. allows that high degree of anonymity to take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes for some people, that becomes a healing place for them to begin. Because well, yeah, yeah, I get that. I, get I think that. we've had so many people hurt by church, and what we find also that this this remember I talked about at the beginning about part of the the philosophy behind sanctuary first is that people can come on, and they don't need to take a profile on. They can just look around, and there's some things that they they don't need to comment. They can just be anonymous, but it's also then a drawing. And I think that's what the cathedrals need to have also, something that draws people in. Yeah, I get it. I get the the positives in it, Albert, but it disturbs me at the same time. I can see that. No, no, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, that's why that's why I'm saying, you know, we've got a, a, a real responsibility to do that because, yeah, you, you want to allow people that, that freedom and flexibility to do that when they come online. You don't want to force people into a situation that they're uncomfortable with. Um, but you want to be intentional of, like I said, being culturally relevant and being, being the, the, the digital equivalent of being on the door and just being welcoming and saying, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. That that can be enough, you know. We don't need to push it any further than that to, um, to 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 have people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So get that. Yeah, we do have an opportunity and a responsibility. Stuart, I said, guys, guys, I'm just looking at our time. Right. I think we've done pretty well tonight. It's been a very interesting podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's had a contribution to make, and I think we've uh, we've we've journeyed quite a wee bit from uh, meeting the moderator of the general assembly to meeting. Is Stuart uh, down there in Digi Parish in, in Irvin. Irvin. Irvin is great. <laughs> and, uh, and thank you so much, both of you, for being our guests tonight. It's thank been, you. Thank you. Really oh, no, thanks for asking us. Pleasure. Yep. Yep. And, and a big thank you to my colleagues, uh, to both Ian and Laura, because without their contributions, as well as part of our community of Sanctuary First, um, we we wouldn't be able to do what we do, and they're our contributors and part of our community. So thank you so much for being part of us. And until we meet again next month uh, on the last Friday of October, God bless, and I'll see you then. Thank you, Albert. Thank you. Thank you. See you.